0: agent um, that I interview weekly and you are the one today my good sir. Oh,
1: I, I'm honored my friend yeah <laughs> been a long right. road to get here that's for sure oh
0: man <laughs> yeah I, I've seen the journey I've seen the journey so let's talk about it all right so welcome everyone to the power half hour today and my very special friend Adam Starry from north Illinois
2: right yeah
1: southwest suburbs of Chicago
0: over there in go Man, this guy has been the grind. Um, I've seen him go from, you know, the 100 the, the deal mark down and then just kind of grinding through. And last year, last year, you nearly doubled your business in one year. Congratulations.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, it, uh, it was a long road to get there, you know, and, and me and you, we've known each other. We go back a long time and just give everybody a little history. I, I got into the business about 15 years ago. Um, probably the first year, five years in the business, I was still young. I, as soon as I was 21, I got into the business. So young and dumb, didn't really take the business as seriously as I should have. I'd probably be a lot further along if I had. Um, but over the last 10 years, I've continued to try to grow my business and got some mentors that were selling real estate at a very high level. So obviously, I kind of tried to take their model and duplicate it and you know it worked i mean we started selling consistently maybe 50 to 60 homes back in 2013 when the market started to come back i'm sure a lot of you guys all remember but we had one of those hedge funds or quite a few hedge funds that were coming out of california so we got tied in with the acquisitions of uh, american homes for rent so one year all of a sudden my business dynamic changed i brought on staff and we sold 165 homes in one year and i mean it was short-lived the problem was is what happened is as quickly as it came, they went and they stopped with the yeah. acquisition side. So next thing we knew, we're sitting there holding our hands going, OK, what's the next step? How do we build off of this? But the problem is we lost an entire year's worth of work because we weren't continuing to build that database. We weren't continuing to generate new mm-hmm. leads. So it was like starting brand new. And wow. that was going into 14. Um, we went out. We we worked our ass off. We ended up getting to a point where we were selling consistently fifty to sixty homes, and I've done that ever since. Um, but the big challenge was that I always wanted to hit those triple-digit numbers, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I felt stuck. And what what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result, or expecting right. a different result. And that's what I was doing. I didn't realize I was doing that, but I was. And I always knew that I wanted to get to that hundred sales. And if there's one thing that I can stress on everybody here is the fact that I always had this preconceived notion that I had to sell a hundred homes in order to be worthy, to be able to build my team.
0: Ooh.
1: I had one person that worked for me. She did an exceptional job. She still does an exceptional job. She's been with me forever now. Um, But the problem is there's only so much time we have in every single day and you're only going to be able to leverage it so much. And the reality is you can only prospect so many hours. You can only follow up with so many people. And the reality is if you're not building something, your time, you're going to take something away from somewhere else, whether it be family or personal life, and you're never going to be able to truly grow without taking something away from that, unless you do something different. And so two years ago I made the commitment that we were going to, bring on an additional team member. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got my wife licensed. She's now our closing coordinator. I have Brittany or I'm sorry, listing coordinator. And then Brittany is our closing coordinator. On top of that, I went out and I wanted to bring on a buyer's agent. I wanted Mm -hmm. to stop working with buyers completely. I feel like I do a much better job on the listing side than the buy side. So what I did is I actually found somebody outside of industry, which is not really conventional but I knew the right person for the job. I knew he had a good sales background. He did phone sales in the past. So I knew he had that customer service orientation that we were looking for. And I knew he'd do an exceptional job just cause he was very well networked. So we went we actually got him licensed. Now, here's the one thing, it's you, you gotta take like a leap of faith because right. realistically bringing somebody in like that, he had a stable income and I always, stress to him, I'm going to make sure that you're going to be okay in this transition. Mm. And what I found is if you care about other people, they're going to care about you. So if you care about their success and them being successful in return, they're going to make you successful as well. And it's just made the whole process so much easier. I mean, when we ended up bringing on Dave onto the team, I mean, the one thing that was really interesting is I I knew in my head that I was going to take a step back, you know, one step back to go four steps forward. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. You know,
1: doing all the training, getting Dave to a level where he can operate on his own. I mean, my expenses went up probably 15%. So I was spending more money going out to bring him onto the team. And on top of that, I didn't see any increase in income or deals or transactions because we spent so much time with him training. So my income went down 50%, 15% and my expenses went up 15. So there's a 30% swing and I'm going, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> <laughs> this is getting scary. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing though, when everything, all the dust settled, Dave got trained, my team was operating, my wife was killing it with me on the listing side, Brittany Nothing. was handling the closings. I mean, it got to a point where all of a sudden we were just a smooth operating machine. And here we are selling 115 homes and, you know, the goal is to do 180 this upcoming year.
0: Sky is the limit for you. That's Absolutely. awesome. But l- let me ask you this, because a lot of uh, us on this call right now uh, are, are in that range where they're like, OK, do I hire an assistant? And next, do I hire a buyer's agent? For you, it took years to realize, OK, in order for me to get to actually over 100 uh, from the 60, I can physically, I can't do that. But it must have taken a mindset shift for you to actually make the take the leap, right? So what changed within you?
1: Boy, that's a loaded question. I don't know. I, I guess I got tired of doing the same thing over and over again, and I think probably one of the biggest influencers is surrounding myself with people like you, uh, going to Mike Ferry events. I got tied in with coaching, and I got tied in with the best coach over there that's you know helped me develop. My systems, and you know, I always think back to him, and he he talked about business maturity, and it's something that doesn't resonate with you when you first get into coaching or you first get into the business, but as you start to grow, mm. you start to realize the difference, and you start, you know, seeing these people that are up on stage, the the Bernie he's the Lee Marcus's. Um, the Hal Swayzes and all these people that are selling 150, 200, 400, 500, 800 homes, Mm -hmm. you realize that there is a different way to do it, right? Right. You're just not doing it right. So what are they doing? How can you duplicate it in such a way that you know it's gonna work for you, work for your team and get you the results that you're looking for? That's
0: awesome. So really surrounding yourself with people who are doing um, the thing that you wanna do at a higher level and just model them. 100%
1: because I mean, realistically we go to these conferences, we spend six days there, you know, and we're talking with people that are so influential and they know so much on how to build a business like that. And we come back to our offices and a lot of times selling 60 homes a year, you're one of the top dogs in your office. So you feel, I mean, your ego's there, right? You feel like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm top dog here. When you go there, you feel like this big (laughs) because you start to realize there's so many people that are doing this at such a higher level than what you are and you need to figure out how to do that.
0: That's awesome. And so if, if everyone does know, we, we are in a mastermind together, Adam and I, and we've been in a mastermind, what, since 2013?
1: Yeah, I wanna say so.
0: Yeah, so we've been sounding, uh, been sounding boards for each other for a long, long time as I leveled up, you leveled up, and we just keep you know pulling each other up. And that's why a mastermind, guys, is so important This is a lonely business, right? Would you say, Adam?
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you don't, you're not surrounding yourself with some positive people who are getting after it, who are doing it at a high level than you, you need to reach out to somebody. All right. Um, I do want to talk about this. Um, You've been through, you started 2005, right? 2006, around there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 2006. Perfect timing.
0: Yeah. Right. And (laughs) so everything started crashing down. I want to hear your mindset then and when when things started to turn again when you went from 160 sales
1: all the way back down what was it like in your head how'd you deal with that i mean getting into the business young and dumb right you just don't know any better so i continually watched my business grow and i didn't know anything different which was probably the best thing in the world if i had gotten into the business at 13 had a couple stellar years and then watched it fall. Right. You now, Probably mindset would have been much different. Mm. Um. I would say though, coming off of 2013 and selling 160 homes and then dropping down to you know that 50 to 60 range. Yeah. I mean that's that's a big kick in the ego. It, right. It, it is.
0: It is. And I remember and you telling us that too. So
1: what what was that like? You right know, here? I've always been one to put my head down and just grind all the way through it mm. because no matter what I'm thinking, whatever my mindset is, it's not gonna change it. It all comes back to one thing. And whatever that one thing is for you, you need to figure out what that is. Is it prospecting expires, cancels? Is it prospecting for sale by owner? Is it prospecting your sphere of influence? Mm-hmm. I said it many times, you can be successful in this business doing multiple things out there, as long as you have the consistency to do it. Now my team will tell you, as soon as I walk up in, in the morning, I mean, the first thing I do is I just jump on the phones and start hammering my calls and my follow-up calls and everything like that, but it's the consistency of it. And if there's one thing that I look at that I did exceptionally well over the last 12 months compared to previous years, the level of intensity and the consistency of my phone calls is much better than it was past years. And I built an office in my basement so that I could prospect from there without hearing the kids and So I kind of switched things around a little bit, but if I had calls to make, I didn't let them go to the next day. I always made those calls. And we're living in a generation where everybody is now, right? Everybody goes through Amazon, they flip through, they look at reviews and they have that instant gratification. Well, they want the same thing from us. Mm. So, you know, do you have to call them back immediately? No, if you're on an appointment, whatnot, but make sure that if you tell somebody you're gonna call them back that day, you're not rolling it over to the following day. You got to make the call. Even if it's, you come home, you spend 15 minutes, hammer it out. And I'm telling you, you're gonna feel so much better about it. You're gonna right. feel better personally and you're gonna see better results because of that.
0: Yeah, and, and guys, if you're listening, uh, consistency and intensity, right? And really getting back to people, it's just pick up your phone. People are trying to give you money, right? And yeah. if it's okay, you don't have to call them back, back right away, but do make sure to call them back. It's just about integrity. So, I do want to touch on this a little bit too because you you just said, right? Uh right out of the gate, 21 years old, you're grinding through and then once you hit 160 and you came down to 50, big ego hit, but you kept grinding through. What's driving you all these years? 15 years, man. That's a long time. What keeps you so consistent and intense?
1: family. I mean, realistically, what else am I going to do? I'm good at what I do and I enjoy it. And, you know, it's everything that we do is all duplicatable. So you say, how do you stay motivated? Um, wanting more, right. Wanting to see that business change, wanting more time with my family, more time out hunting with my kids in, in the fall and things of those natures. Um, Those are all the things that are important to me, right? I'm not living to work. I'm working to live. So everything that I'm doing, the intensity and the prospecting and everything is a means to an end. It's going to get me to where I want so that I can afford to take my family on the vacations that they deserve. Right. Take my wife somewhere tropical because she deserves that. And she works harder than I do. Yeah. Same with my wife. Smart man. (laughs) here. So. <laughs> they
0: are like they are the backbone of the family man i really truly appreciate them and uh it sounds like the same for you as well so really family and looking for that freedom um down the road and creating that life that you guys want you know with, with uh, so making sales and making money but really it comes back to family so
1: you know i know you take at least a month off per year is that correct I usually, I'm not in the office November and December every year. Ooh, tell us about that because I always wonder, man, he's going to lose momentum.
0: Like I always, in the years past, I'm like, where is Adam? He's going to lose momentum. And you come back, you just absolutely crush it.
1: Uh, and, you know, it's starting at zero because when I come back from that, and don't get me wrong, I'm still working. I'm still, and, you know, we, we bought a farm and so we, we go down there and I have an office set up so I can pretty much operate operate remotely down there to the same capacity that I can here. Um, but it's all about family for me. I mean, going down there, it's about letting my kids get dirt under their nails and, you know, kind of get back to the, the old root of things. But, um, you know, anything we do, you know, there's the, the law of expansion, right? If you have two hours of work and you go into the office and you spend eight hours, you'll take that two hours of work and you'll fit it into an eight hour day. Oh, wow. If you work with intensity, what you're going to find out is that you can get eight hours of work done in two hours in the day. It's just how are you going to perceive it and how hard are you going to attack it? So like this past year, I come in and I'm out in the morning and then I have three hours dedicated where I come in and I just grind it. I knock it out, get through it, get everything done on my checklist. And then I'm out with the kids again in the afternoon. Wow. Okay. Well, tell me about your day. So you three hours in the morning, and then you go on a couple appointments. When do you get home to see the kids? Um, It hasn't been too bad. I mean, for the most part, I I used to do a lot of late appointments, eight o'clock, but I have it set up or two o'clock and four o'clock. I'm going on listing appointments. Morning time I get in, I'm trying to get anywhere from two to three hours on the phone. And then at that point, I'll review, look at CMAs, anything that's going on for my appointments in the afternoon. so I want to make sure that it's fresh. The way that you present a CMA is one of the most important things that you can do on a listing appointment, mm. aside from everything else you're doing. If you can make sense of the numbers, they can make sense of hiring you. Ooh. If you make sense of the numbers, they'll make they can make sense of hiring
0: you. So how much time do you prep for that appointment?
1: It depends. Some subdivisions are easy; they're cookie cutter, and you know it takes me fifteen minutes. And then other times, it's I'm pulling my hair out. There's always gray hairs. That's from the bad CMAs. <laughs> That's
0: crazy. Okay, so you still spend time on CMAs, and you know it's really three hours. The, the prospecting guys in the morning absolutely crucial, and it, I think you made that the most important appointment every single day, right?
1: Because if you don't do it first thing when you walk in, you're going to find other things that are going to fill your day. Mm. It's just as simple as that. And next thing you know, you're going to be twiddling your thumbs and going, okay, it's two o'clock, I got to run out to an appointment. And you still haven't got any of your prospecting. I mean, it is the single most important thing you can do. And I don't care what you're calling. Right? Are you calling around subdivisions, expires, canceled, your database? I mean, Those are the single most productive things that you can do as a real estate agent. And when you talk about building a team, it's funneling it down so that you're doing the most important things every single day. You're Mm -hmm. not dealing with the paperwork. You're not dealing with the inbound phone calls that mean absolutely nothing. I have my front line that's stopping the telemarketers and the, the lenders and people that are trying to get to me. I mean, when somebody gets through, I usually give them 15 minutes of my time because I'm like, damn, how did you get through my front line?
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So really you, you get rid of distractions at all possible. And the most important appointment of the day is the prospecting appointment. Right? Or else you're gonna fill up your day with a crap, right? And, and if exactly. you decide to work 10, 12 hour days, really you're, you're, you're only working probably six hours and you're filling the rest of the time with with junk, right? So guys, work, try to work like Adam, try to work 10 months out of the year, and you'll probably do more than if you work 12 months, guaranteed, right? And you've made your day like that too, it sounds like, you compress your day, so you get it all done, knock it out of the park, and spend time with the kids. Absolutely, yep. You don't have to wait all year to make your goal. You don't have to wait all year to make your goals, guys. I'm getting so much gold nuggets from you. Thank you. That's awesome, man. So again, congratulations on the big production. Um, What do you have for us, Uh, the audience here? Mostly real estate agents on Facebook Live. We're here. Um, What two pieces of advice can you give us to start our year?
1: Um, Stay disciplined in everything you do. Don't let it go. And what you're going to find is right now it's real easy to stick to your schedule, but the problem is as business gets better and the spring market starts to open up, naturally, you're going to start drifting away from the thing that generated the business that got you there in the first place. You have to continue to do the things that are generating the business. And when it comes in, you still have to make time for those because there's a 90 day cycle in everything that we do you go out and you get 10, 10 listings and you start servicing those 10 listings. The reality is you've now lost an additional 30 days because you're taking care of those clients. And then you're going to have a blip where you're going to miss that. And you miss one 30-day window. What is that? Like 15% of the year? That's 15% of your income. you pulling that number out of my head. I hope it's close.
0: <laughs> So would you say, Adam, you know, staying disciplined, um, don't let it go. Um, Were you, you know, so so the switch from 50, 60 deals all the way to, you know, 115, would you say that was one of the differences for you that you just kept working and prospecting and you didn't stop this time instead of servicing them and then coming back, losing some momentum, picking it up again, the yo-yo effect.
1: Yep. Making the calls every day, no matter what and not right. taking my calls and moving them to the next day because I have stuff going on. Right. Now, that is a vicious cycle. Cause you go from Wednesday. Okay. I'll make that call on Thursday. And then you say, Oh damn, I missed that. Let's go to Friday. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're 48 hours out and you've lost that window and you've lost that client. Ooh. You have to make the calls. Even if you come in, make the calls at night, they can be quick just as long as they know that you're there. Um, I mean, those make huge differences. And, and I, I'm a firm believer that what you send out is what you're going to get back. You know, you think about your team. I care about every single person on my team. I don't care just about them. I care about their production. I care about their family life. You know, I mean, it, my team calls me dad. <laughs> and it's because I look out, I look at them like my kids and I want nothing but the absolute best for them. But in return, that also comes back to you tenfold.
0: Wow. Guys, so if you guys are building a team, re- really remember that it's not about the team leader. It's about what the team members, the business partners are trying to achieve. And if you care about them and, and pour into them, it'll come back tenfold. Right, Adam? Absolutely. 100%. You ever read the book, Go-Giver? The yeah. giver? There you go. Game changer, man.
1: Yeah. So- oh, yeah. 100% go get that book guys
0: that that is a game changer okay so number 1 is discipline don't let it go keep prospecting keep at it or else you lose momentum what's number 2
1: customer service Ooh. customer service by the number one thing that you can do to build your past client center of influence and referral business and let's face it that's the easy business that's the fun business you know we do the grind so that we can build a big enough database so that the business gets easier. I don't yeah. want to work harder when I get older, I want to work smarter and easier. Uh, so building that database, people know, trust you, will refer you, they're just easier. And I know everybody's sitting on this call right now thinking in their head, it's so much easier going on a past client listing appointment than it is trying to get an expired listing with five other top agents in the market. Yeah. So, and it all boils down to customer service. It's as simple as that. We overcomplicate this business. Look, we're not brain surgeons. We're not trying to change the world. We're trying to change the experience for people. And, you know, one thing I always tell my team is, I want you to think about the milestones that are taking place in every transaction. And if you can get to our clients before they get to us, mm. you've done the right job. So you, know, you never we want to know hear from the clients first. We're too late. Yeah. 100%, right? Because we know when it goes under contract, the next question is, what's the next step? Mm -hmm. You need to get in front of them before that. And then the next step is, okay, what about the appraisal? When they're coming to you and asking questions, you're too late. It's just simple. Who's,
0: who's, who, who got hit on that point right there, right? Like you're too late. I mean, if they're calling you, you're like, oh, great. I'm so great to hear from you. No, like you're already too late.
1: That's just a bad job on customer service. So a couple of years ago, we took the family to Disney and, you know, I'm I'm like giddy. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there. I got my little pad of paper and my pen and Disney, what are they noted for? High customer service. Hmm. So I'm writing down all these notes. I come back to my team. They're like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) <laughs> you went to Disney and you're writing notes on what we can bring back to the team and how we can up our standards. Right. Wow. At Disney you drop your napkin. By the time you're going to down to pick it up, somebody's running over to give you a brand new napkin. No yeah. Okay.
0: okay. Okay. So beyond, um, getting ahead of the game, communicating with them consistently, what, what does your customer service look like beyond that? What's great customer service to find for your team?
1: royal treatment. I mean, we do everything from, you know, if there's issues that come up with a transaction, um, you know, and it's not even our fault, but there's something that's a point of contention. My staff has the ability to spend up to $200 to immediately fix it so that our clients aren't worried about it. They have enough things to worry about on their, on their agenda with moving, you know, getting to the next house, financing, all those things. So, um, and I can't think of an example, but if something were to come up, yeah, you know, my team has the full authority to go ahead and spend two hundred dollars to make it right and make them happy.
0: That's a great point, guys. So take take that down. It, it should a problem arise. If it's under two hundred bucks, just do it. Just take care of it. A lot of times, we can take care of these small problems for the client. If it's just money, it's not really that much of a problem, right? Unless it's ten grand then, then it's a problem (laughs) That's awesome, man. So number one discipline and number two uh, really it's customer service. And we want to guys, we want to build, we're grinding today. If you guys are, you know, three to five years in the business right now, we're grinding today to build that database. So 10 years from now, you're going to get those come list me calls, but if you didn't service them in the 10 years correctly, um they won't call you
1: and i guarantee it right look everybody knows a real estate broker everybody has a friend that just got into the business and if you're not taking care of them somebody else is
0: ooh yeah somebody else is going to take care of your clients how does that sound to people on this call it doesn't sound very good okay well do you have we have some time for uh, some questions here i have one here i have been doing corfax postcards to send to my farm 450 monthly and i get one or two hits three months i'm getting i think i'm getting mojo dialer instead what do you think about corfax postcards versus mojo
1: what is uh i'm sorry it's my ignorance what is it Core. So it's
0: basically postcards versus going mojo and dialing around the area. What would you recommend?
1: I think you're missing out on 50% of the equation. If you let one of them go, you need to do both. That's awesome. It's that simple. If you're sending a postcard, the reality is how many people are throwing it out? The only time they're going to look at is if they are ready to sell. And if you're doing the postcards, you got to double down. You got to call around the neighborhood, let them know that you're there. Because I guarantee you nobody else is
0: nobody else's. So Glenn, uh, it's not either or, it's both. You got to do both. So unfortunately, yes, the cost will go up, but you will get business from it. How many deals did you do from just listed just sold last year?
1: Oh, of course you would ask me that question. <laughs> I'm
0: analytical. What's that? I'm analytical. So out of, out of 115, I heard you say on the call, but what was it? Yeah, I think we did about 10 last year. 10? Yeah, that's almost ten percent, guys. Who who's missing out on these just just sold calls and doing deals from them? I know I am, right? So, Glenn, please, both postcards and calls. All right, awesome. All right, one last question. Who's got a question?
2: Jack, your crew. Jonathan. Hey, John, I got a question there. Hey, Courtney. Hey um two-part question uh i think one of the biggest things i'm having troubles with right now in prospecting is the kids not sleeping it's really kind of interrupted at night um try and be a team player with the wife and i'm telling myself a story like hey you know prospect at six o'clock seven o'clock at night go into the office at 12 um you know it'll all be okay and you'll reach your contacts and then i'll get to like kind of that two o'clock slot and just kind of feeling a bit of fatigue and and then I don't feel like riding it out. And I still do. I mean, I get my calls done and I'm not adverse to making calls. Um, But just wondering your thought on, uh, on that. And additionally, when you brought on your buyer's agent, um, does your buyer's agent take control of calling your leads first? Like if you're using some sort of online lead generation, have you just given them full reign? to make first point of contact or are you making first point of contact? Thanks for your time. No,
1: I'm having them make first point of contact. It's a team effort. So, I mean, we do some stuff on Zillow. It's on a round robin, whoever can get it. I mean, realistically, if we don't get to the lead right off the bat, it kind of goes back to that instant gratification people need right there. If you don't get that lead right off the bat, you're done. So that's a group effort. If I get it, I'll talk with them. I'll then hand it off and then they'll kind of take it from there. But I do give them free reign. I mean, it took a while to get to that point. You know, you have to be willing to train your team Mm. because if you're not willing to invest in them, they're not going to be able to go off and, you know, do this on their own without you looking over and coaching how to do it. I mean, I've been right there where you've been at. I mean, I got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old at home. Um, I used to get up at five in the morning, be in the gym and in the office bright and early. I, I don't do that anymore. I kind of, that's my precious time in the morning where I'll spend it with my kids. And then I'm on the phones at nine. So uh, I could probably up that a little bit, but I, my kids, I can't even believe I have a seven and a five year old. It's crazy to me. I know they're gonna be out the door before I know it. So might as well take the time while we can. Awesome. Um, but if there's one piece that I can give you and I used to give myself the same excuse uh, I'm too tired, I'm not feeling good enough, I'm sick, right? Think about Michael Jordan when he played that game and he was sick with the flu. He still did it. He still did it at a high level. And keep in mind too, when you're making these phone calls, we implant it in our head and it's our own you know, self-fulfilling prophecy when we say, oh, I don't feel good, I'm probably not gonna sound good on the phones. Most of these people you're not talking to They don't know if you have a scratchy voice. They don't know if you normally sound like that, or you don't sound like that. I I, I made a commitment this past year that no matter what, I'm going to make those phone calls. If I'm tired and I don't have as much energy, it doesn't make a difference because I'm still there. I'm still doing it. And if you can consistently do it day in and day out, and I'll even spend 30 minutes on Saturday, 30 minutes on Sunday, because I don't know how many people are on here, but I know everybody here has had the Monday blues where they walk in and they feel like they stepped back four weeks and they haven't made a phone call. <laughs> yeah. If you do that little bit every single day, when you get in on Monday, you're not stepping back two to three weeks. You're right where you left off and you don't need to do much. It just needs to be a tiny little bit, just a couple phone calls to get you conditioned to it. And then when you walk in on Monday, you're fired up. You're ready to go. And you're not losing an entire day. Because the problem is you lose Monday, you're losing 20% of the week. Mm. Which means you're going to lose 20% of your income at the end of the year.
0: Courtney, this is the game changer call for you, man. I hope this uh, was helpful to Courtney. He's, he's been grinding away. His commitment is to go a thousand days in a row prospecting. So let's uh, support each other. Man, thank you, Adam, so much for all your advice today. How can people reach you, find you on social media,
1: and how can we send you referrals? Yeah, absolutely. Look me up, Adam Starry. It's the Starry Group. Um, Yeah, would love to. If anybody is moving out to Naperville, we would love to help your clients out. We know we can do a great job. Thank you, thank you, thank
0: you today. And uh, all the best with your goals. Crush it. And uh, thank you, everybody, for coming to the call. Adios.
1: All right. Thanks, everyone.
0: Have a great day. Thanks, Adam.